Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, good evening, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to this special Saturday evening uh, broadcast. I wanted to take a little bit of time to pray with you uh, tonight and talk with you. Uh, This is really uh, a great expression of solidarity that so many uh, of you are are expressing to me, you know, in support of our work, in support of our ministry, in support of my uh, my, uh, priestly commitment. And it is a commitment uh, that uh, I remember being with uh, St. John Paul II, uh, under whom I worked at the Vatican for a while. You know, one of his trips to the United States, he said to a group of priests and seminarians, he said, the God who hears yes does not then want to hear no. And uh, when we who are priests are making that commitment to our, our priesthood, we don't do so on a, on a maybe. We don't do so on a temporary basis. We don't do so on, uh, well, I'll do this until, uh, until it gets difficult. We do so as part of a uh, permanent commitment, uh, just like you do so in marriage, uh, just like you do so to, to pro-life. You don't suddenly discover that... Um, and I'm looking to see if there's a there's a prop that I'm going to hold on one second. There's a prop I'm going to use as we go on here uh, talking about this because I'm going to make some connections here. But, you know, you don't um, you don't make the commitment uh, to the priesthood and then say, gee, maybe God didn't call me to to that. You know, actually, some years ago, I want to pray with you for a little bit. Well, let, let, let's start with prayer. And I want to tell you a few stories in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we ask you to bless your church, bless your people, and we ask you, Lord, tonight to do what the ancient hymn to the Holy Spirit, Veni Sancte Spiritus, says, that he gives voice to the tongue. The Spirit does not enter people to make them silent. The Spirit enters people to make them speak. And we ask, Lord, tonight that we be able to speak, to speak up, to shine light in the darkness, to expose the frauds that are among us, uh, both in the government and in the church, to expose those who uh, do evil and have evil intent and try to cover themselves with some kind of uh, cloak of of respectability. Uh, Lord, we pray for the people who are involved in the great movement to defend life, uh, that they may always be given the courage to speak up and the peace and joy that come from doing so. Peace and joy do not come from being silent when we are supposed to speak. They come from speaking no matter what. As Paul said, preach the word, whether convenient or inconvenient, welcome or unwelcome. Preach it and Lord, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to your people and enable them all to preach it solidly and clearly. Lord, we approach the feast of Christmas and we ask for Christmas joy as the Christ child, your eternal son, the word made flesh, is born also in us, that he gives us the clarity of mind, the strength of will to proclaim the gospel from the rooftops. Not to be, it is not a message to be shared in secret. It is to be proclaimed from the rooftops. Lord, bless your people with that Christmas fervor with that Christmas voice 
to proclaim the Christ who has come as the only Savior of the world. We ask this through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. Okay, so brothers and sisters, um, I wanted to um, share a reflection tonight because many of you have been uh, in contact with me about the constant persecution that we have received from some, some, I emphasize some, in the church. That, um, well, like one bishop told me one time, Father Frank, you're too aggressive on abortion. And you know what I said in response? I said, well, okay, as soon as abortion stops being so aggressive on the little babies that it kills, then we'll talk. But until then, I have no, no respect for what, you're, for what you're saying. Someone's going to tell us that we're too aggressive on abortion. You don't listen to those kinds of voices. Uh, teachers who want to tell their children in their classroom about the reality of abortion, especially if the students ask about it, uh, are canceled, are fired. Um, Nurses who don't want to participate in abortion, and they make it known. And then the Democrats come along, and the Biden administration comes along, and these other uh, radical uh, wackos come along and try to force them to participate in the killing of babies. And they say no. And they say no. Some of them then are fired from their uh, positions. People who decide to take part in a pro-life prayer vigil in front of an abortion facility. And then their employer uh, hears about that and they get into trouble and he fires them. We know about this. Politicians opposed because of their pro-life stance. People who are in positions of power and influence getting shut out of, you know, committees that might be congressmen and women who are on committees and they get shut out of that. Why? Because they're too conservative and they're too vocal and they're too pro-life. Well, in case you weren't sure of it before, you know that it happens also in the church. It's this part of the very same dynamic, an effort to keep us quiet about this. I don't know how well you can see this. A head crushed, brains coming out, a baby with an arm torn off, a leg torn off. Here the, the arm is being pulled through the birth canal. Here's where it starts. The baby's arm is, and leg is clasped by the forceps. The baby's alive. The baby's alive. And they're pulled apart piece by piece. So what are we supposed to say about this? We're, not supposed, we're supposed to not be aggressive about this, right? And you speak up too much about it, and somebody, you know, could be your employer, could be my bishop. Shut up about this. Be quiet. Enough, enough. You can't yell. And then if you don't shut up, well, you're, not, you're not listening to me. You're telling me to shut up about this. 
And then you're going to complain I'm not listening to you? I've said it a million times, I'll say it a million and one times. That's not going to work. And that's why so many of you are supportive of our ministry. Priests for life. Some people still ask, and they asked me from the beginning of this ministry, why do you have to have a priests for life? Isn't every priest for life? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, first of all, some aren't, but let's put that aside. By definition, we can, we can posit that priests are pro-life. By definition, we all know there's exceptions. That's part of the problem we have to fix. But, but, but follow my line of thought here. My response when people say, well, isn't every priest for life? I say, well, yeah, but we just help them to say so. We got to help them to say so. We encourage them. And that's why you encourage us. The reason Priest for Life has grown right from the beginning of this ministry is, well, it's something that Dr. Bernard Nathanson said. He was a great supporter of ours when he was alive. You know, he was the one who started the abortion industry in America together with the help of some of his friends but he was the driving force and he ran the largest abortion facility in, uh, in the western world and he uh, ultimately because of science became pro-life but it was the clergy that were uppermost on his mind both when he was on the pro-abortion side trying to start the movement for abortion in this country. And then when he converted over to the pro-life side, uppermost in his mind were the clergy. Because he had, and he writes about this in his various books, you read uh, Aborting America, read um, the uh, abortion papers he wrote, and then of course he wrote the beautiful book, The Hand of God. He said, we took a gamble that the church would be silent. And we won that gamble. They were silent. He said to us clergy, he said, we caught you guys asleep. You were asleep at the switch. Dr. Nathanson said, we stole the abortion issue. We stole the abortion issue from the church. And so when he learned about Priests for Life, he said... This is what we need. We need to galvanize the clergy so that they can push back against this culture of death. And you know what he said to us priests? He said he was speaking about himself and his colleagues who started the abortion industry. And he said, we would have never gotten away with what we did if you, the clergy, had been united, purposeful, and strong. We would have never gotten away with what we did. Well, we're convinced that the culture of death will still not get away with what it's doing if we become more united, purposeful, and strong. I just want to point out to you, and, and, and I know many of you, you know this, just don't be surprised to see that the battle is also within the walls of that building that you see behind me. This is, of course, a background that we have here in our studio. I'm speaking to you not from, the, from Rome, but from the, uh, the offices here of Priests for Life where we have our studio in Florida. The battle is even in the walls of that, of that building. There are people there speaking up for, for us. And, and, uh, and Oh, someone is asking, hi, Sue. Yeah, he's asking if this is live. Uh, yeah, this is, this is, this is live. Uh, I see your comments coming in. Um, 
So uh, the battle is even in the church where people try, just like they try in the, in the government, just like they try in the realm of academia. Again, professors being silenced, you know, because they're too pro-life. So now there are some in the hierarchy, they don't want this emphasis on abortion. Most of them acknowledge that abortion is the primary issue, and that's been our message for decades. I've been doing this for 30 years, leading uh, Priests for Life and, and uh, galvanizing the clergy. <laughs> we're, we're, we have nothing to apologize for. We have nothing to hide. We've been doing this for 30 years, but there are those even in the church, they don't want abortion to be seen as the number one issue. You know, one of the reasons is they have friends in the Democrat Party. They have close allies in the Democrat Party. And some of these clergy, they're strutting around in their, you know, their hats and everything and their robes. And they've got their Democrat politician friends patting them on the back. Now, some of them are doing some good work. We don't know with social issues and whatnot. We support that. Helping the poor and helping the homeless and whatnot. But if you're helping the poor and you're helping the homeless, but you're aborting babies or you're not speaking up for those babies, uh, you've undercut all the other good stuff that you're doing. Stop, stop making us out to be fools. You stand up for life, you're going to stand up for the most vulnerable life. But some of them, they don't want to do that because they don't want to offend their Democrat friends because they know their Democrat friends aren't going to change when it comes to abortion. Now, of course, we work to change everybody. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But they know that their Democrat friends would rather stop cooperating with them on these other issues than be challenged on abortion. So let's go to Biden and Pelosi. You know, it, it's time for the nonsense to stop. And some of the, the problem that some bishops have with me is that I've been pretty outspoken against these people. Outspoken against Hillary, too. He knows who he is, Monsignor Mike. He knows who he is, a priest who said to me one time when I was being criticized for speaking out against Hillary Clinton, and I showed an aborted baby on TV. Oh, God forbid we should see. We should see what this is doing. Oh, we'll promote it. We want you to pay for it, but we don't want you to see it. So I let them see it. And some of the bishops lost their, lost their minds. And, and one of these priests said, oh, you know, well, of course, Hillary probably is evil. And here he was criticizing me for saying it. And here he's saying it to me, and right, right, my senior Mike? He's saying it to me in private. Yeah, she probably is evil. Well, when are you going to find your voice? Or maybe she's evil in private but not in public. Or maybe she's evil in public and we're only supposed to speak up in private. Is that, is that what, we were, what we were ordained to do? Speak up, speak up, but, but only do it in private. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's how you change the world, right? That's what the apostles did, right? Holy Spirit came on them and they said, hey, let's stay here in the upper room because if we go out there now... Uh, the same people who crucified Jesus, they might arrest us. They might crucify us. They weren't a bunch of cowards. They weren't a bunch of children. They went out there and they proclaimed the gospel and they allowed themselves to uh, be crucified. Well, we are, in our ministry, I personally, we are amping it up. We are turning up the volume now. 
It's all-out war. And you know, it's not just war on the unborn. It's the cancel culture. It's war on uh, supporters of pro-life candidates, including President Trump. Many of you are Trump supporters, as am I. But any pro-life candidate is going to face this, this backlash. It's war against them. It's war against the family. It's war against marriage. It's war against our children. It's the indoctrination of our children with all sorts of, 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 of nonsense about sexuality, all sorts of nonsense about, uh, about you know, America being an evil and racist country. It's critical race theory. This is war. It, 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 it's, it's, it's not a, a, a physical conflict. It's not violence. We don't advocate any kind of violence. But, but, but the word war has a lot of different meanings and a lot of different applications and, 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 uh, and, and levels of, of significance. And one of them is that, that you, well, let's go to the scripture that talks about this, uh, I think, most uh, clearly. And it helps us to understand, you know, why would there be people in the church that don't want me to be a priest? Uh, I, I've talked about this before. I haven't made any secret of this. And uh, it's ultimately because of what I'm about to read for you from the um, uh, Gospel of John. You know, one of the most well-known... Um, uh, verses in the scriptures is uh, John 3.16. So let me start there. I'll just read this paragraph because this helps us all to understand and to pray about the battle that is going on and the effort to silence you. You know, because this is not, it's not, it's not about me when there's people criticizing me. It's about you. It's about us. It's about us. Because we're all believing the same thing. You're, you're tuning in, except for a few trolls who, uh, you know, uh, God bless them. Um, you know, they, they, of course, they have nothing better to do because their cause is lost anyway. And uh, they have no supporters to keep them busy. So they come and they come to, 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 to complain about people like me and broadcasts like mine. But aside from them, you're with us because you support and you believe in these things. So this is about you, too. This is our story. You know, none of it is this, oh, well, it's Father Frank's story. Oh, it's not my story. It's our story. It's the battle that we're all involved in. If they try to silence you, they'll try to silence your neighbor. They'll try to silence the, the courageous uh, teacher down the road. They'll try to silence the courageous newscaster. They'll try to silence the courageous uh, uh, politician. And they'll try to silence the priest, too. Why does this all happen? John chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So we're about to celebrate the feast of his coming at Christmas, right? But then listen to this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict, it goes on to say. This is verse 19. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what he has done has been done through God. I want to give a challenge to leaders out there. I want to give a challenge to priests, bishops, 
church leaders, pro-life leaders, government leaders. I, I want to give you a little challenge. I'm not saying this out of, out of any kind of, of pride. It's not that I think I'm better than anybody else. But there's something that I do each day that I think can help us who are in leadership, can help us who are often attacked in different ways to defend ourselves and to encourage one another. And that is, I do a brief video, you can find it at priestsforlife.org slash daily dash diary, daily diary with a little dash in between, priestsforlife.org slash daily dash diary. I give an accounting of what I do every hour of the day, every single day. Now, sometimes I'll combine the days together. I'll say, oh, this is my daily diary for the last three days, for the last four days, because often, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the road traveling and so forth. So I'll combine a few. But, but there's not a day, there's not a day that I don't bring forth out into the light exactly what I'm doing from morning to night. And I think that's a good act of accountability, a good act of transparency. And it's a good act of encouragement for you who support us. And I want to continue to encourage you uh, to support us in, uh, in doing this work. Um, so the light came into the world, some preferred darkness. That's the cause of the division. That's the cause of the conflict. And if you don't want to go into the light because your deeds, you're doing something wrong, maybe it's jealousy, maybe it's pride, maybe it's, uh, it's selfishness of some kind, and you're trying to, to um, stop somebody else from shining that light, you're not, you're not just going to avoid the light yourself. You're going to try to shut off the light that others are shining. And that's that. This, is, this gospel passage from John 3 explains the roots of persecution both outside the church, inside the church, in the world of politics, in your world. Again, this is about us, not about me. It's no surprise, it shouldn't surprise you, that there are people in the church who lie about me, try to stop my work. They've been trying to stop this work for 30 years. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Why? Because of you. See, this is up to you. It's not up to anybody else whether a good pro-life work succeeds and advances or not is completely up to the people who rally around it. Whether any work that's done in the church continues on is completely a function of the people who get behind it. it you know, we don't create the pro-life movement. It's the other way around. It's the pro-life movement that creates the leaders. And where does the pro-life movement start from? As I have said for years, and as you know, it starts around the kitchen table. It starts around the dining room table. It, it starts in the living room. It starts when people realize in their hearts that this is wrong. This is the, it's the killing of a baby. I mean, there's no other, no, other, no other way to describe this. It's the killing of a baby. And some people say, oh, abortion is a termination of pregnancy. Yeah, well, so is birth. Every pregnancy terminates. The question is how? If the way that it's terminating is pulling the arms and legs off the baby, crushing the head, and then pulling the baby out in pieces, that isn't good. That isn't right. And that deserves a response. Well, people, when they realize what's happening here, they give it a response. 
And that's how the pro-life movement starts. People gathering around, people on the grassroots level gathering and saying, we've got to save our children. We've got to fight for these babies. We've got to speak up for the voiceless. We've got to defend the defenseless. That's how the movement starts. And then from that movement come the leaders. So it's not leaders either in the government or in the church. There are good leaders. There are pro-life leaders in the government. There are pro-life leaders in the church. I'm privileged to be one of them. And it's not we who stand up and say, okay, everybody, come together. We have to form the pro-life movement. No, it's the other way around. For the pro-life movement forms us. And that imperative that we have to speak up for the unborn vigorously, and as that, that bishop told me, aggressively, oh, Father Frank, you're too aggressive on abortion. No, I'm not. When abortion stops being aggressive on these babies, then come to talk to me. But as long as it's doing this, I'm going to be aggressive on it. And so, just like we're not the ones that start the pro-life movement, neither would we be able to stop it if we tried. If all the pro-life leaders got up today and had a press conference and said, hey folks, you don't have to be um, defending the babies anymore, would any of you listen? You wouldn't even listen to that. You can't stop the pro-life effort because it wasn't called together by any kind of, of authority. It was, it was brought together by our, our, our human nature. It was brought together by our instinct to defend these children. There will be no canceling. I'm here to tell you tonight that many people that I respect have said to me over the years, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't speak so much about this, and oh, well, you know, if they tell you to do something else, you know, you should uh, do that. There will be no canceling of this pro-life message. There will be no canceling of this message within the church where we are rallying the clergy and telling them to shout it from the rooftops and to make this the number one issue of our day because it is. There will be no canceling of that. There will be no silencing of that. There will be no silencing of our message in the political arena. There are some in the church, Cardinal McElroy, pay attention, who are simply spouting Democrat talking points. Knock it off, okay? Knock it off. They're just spouting Democrat talking points. And then they complain to us that we're spouting Republican talking points. As if stopping the dismemberment of a baby is a partisan issue. It's not a partisan issue. If tomorrow the major political parties in our country swapped positions on abortion and the Democrat Party became the ones calling for the protection of the unborn and the Republican Party became the ones calling for protection of the so-called right to abort, would our message change? Would we still be holding up this sign saying this is wrong? Of course we would, because our message is about this. Our message doesn't come primarily from a political motivation. 
We are speaking the moral truth into the world of politics. Now, let's address this a little bit because, you know, this is at the root of why some in the church are trying to say, oh, well, you shouldn't be doing this, Father Frank, or you shouldn't even be a priest. Yeah, go take a hike. At the root of a lot of this is this distorted notion, okay, that somehow the church has to be quiet when it comes to the political realm. Well, the church itself doesn't say that. The church says we have to speak. You read the Vatican II document, Gaudium et Spes, for example, and it says that even in matters relating to politics, we have to speak the moral truth. Especially, it says, when it pertains to the fundamental rights of human beings. Well, is there a right more fundamental than life? Did I miss something? We're talking about an attack on the most fundamental right here. So we have to speak into the political realm. Somebody on Twitter, and I'll, I'll get to my Twitter interactions in just a moment, because this is, you'll really laugh at this one, this hilarious uh, efforts to criticize me. I mean, I, listen, I've said this before. You know, I've got to have the dumbest enemies in the world. I mean, we all have enemies, right? I, I've, I, mine have got to qualify as absolutely the dumbest. Well, we'll get back to that in a moment. But somebody was saying to me on Twitter the other day, uh, oh no, it was earlier today. They says, well, if the church is going to talk uh, politics, you know, then maybe we should start uh, taxing uh, the church. Okay, so when it comes to my message, the politics we're talking about is, you know, Pelosi and Biden should not be supporting abortion. They should not be advocating for abortion on demand, and neither should any politician. The purpose of government is the protection of life. So all we're trying to say is stop killing babies. I mean, that's, that's really my message. Some people say, oh, Father Frank, you have a hard job, you know, fighting abortion full time. That must be a hard job. No, it's not. It's the easiest job in the world. This is the, friends, this is the easiest issue in the world to articulate. It's four words. You don't kill babies. Did I ever think in my whole life, my whole ministry would be trying to convince people, hey, you don't kill babies. Is, could somebody please tell me what's wrong with that message? You don't kill babies. No, no, no. We, we're not going to be fooled here. We know there's nothing wrong with this message. It's the baby killers that want to silence us. It's the friends of the baby killers that want to silence us. Sorry, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You know what you would have to do to silence me about the, the message of abortion? Again, we're talking about the message of abortion here. Let's be clear. We're just trying to say you don't kill babies. You'd have to kill me. You have to cut out my tongue. Of course, that wouldn't work either because then I'd learn sign language pretty darn fast. There's no silencing us except by killing us. That's it. And I know I speak for so many others, so many of you. And I'm not, I'm not joking here. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not fooling around. You silence us by killing us. And you know what? That just makes other people speak up all the louder. So there's no silencing this message. There's no canceling this message. And there's no canceling this message in the political arena. See, Biden and Pelosi, they like to say that they're Catholic. Oh, I met the Pope. Yeah, so did I. 
I've spoken to Pope Francis five times about my work. And he's encouraged me, especially in the realm of healing and bringing compassionate help to those who have had abortions. Do you know we oversee the largest ministry in the world for healing after abortion? Does somebody want to say that there's something wrong with that? So, yeah, we've gotten a lot of encouragement, even from Pope Francis. Fact of the matter is, though, that unless we can speak into the realm of politics, we're not going to be able to change this dynamic of abortion. Look at how we got this victory over Roe v. Wade. For decades, people like you and me advocated for the election of pro-life candidates to the Senate, to the presidency, who would then put justices on the Supreme Court, who would then judge by the Constitution and not by some invented right to abortion or pro-abortion ideology. And that's exactly what happened. That's how it happened, friends. It's not disconnected from the political world. Not, it wasn't by magic that uh, Roe v. Wade was, was reversed. It wasn't by some kind of magic. It was by having elected pro-life presidents who said that they would support constitutional judges, and then they did it. It took a, long, it took a few decades, but I was telling you along the way. I've been pre go back to talks that I've given uh, uh, 20 uh, years ago. I told you we are well within the historical window of ending abortion and of reversing this decision. It took the court longer to reverse segregation than it did to reverse abortion. It took it longer. It took it 58 years. We took 49 to get rid of Roe. So we're not silent. We can't be silent in the political arena. So I, said to the, I say to my critics about this all the time, when the church speaks up against pro-abortion policies in, 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 in politics, when the church encourages pro-life voting, when the church admonishes leaders, you, you read the Bible, do, do, do you notice what the, what the prophets and, the, and, the, and the, the prophets of the Lord and the religious leaders say to the kings? Have you, you taken notice of that? You know how John the Baptist was killed? I mean, people so easily forget the most fundamental lessons of the scriptures. That you speak the word of truth to those in political power. That's what the church does. That's what the prophets do. That's what the body of Christ does. That's what the saints have done. We're supposed to do different. How much of our life and how many of our decisions are under the lordship of Jesus Christ? He is king of kings, lord of lords. And what percentage of your life is under his lordship? Did you ever calculate it? What's it supposed to be? What are you aiming at each day? 50%, 75, 90, 95, 99. It's not 99. It's not 99.9. Jesus is Lord of 100% of our life, 100% of our activities. That includes politics. That includes voting. And that includes legislating. That includes the, off, the uh, activities, uh, Joe Biden, that you do in the White House. 
That includes the actions, Nancy Pelosi, that you do. Actually, you're no longer going to do them as Speaker of the House. We fired you in this past midterm election. And by the way, we're going to keep winning elections. The momentum is on our side. This is one of the things, you know, some of the bishops, they just can't, they can't stop uh, get, making their, their head spin about, you know, Father Frank talking about winning elections for Republican candidates. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want public servants who know the difference between serving the public and killing the public. And if they don't know that difference, they don't belong in public office. Why don't you, instead of trying to shut me up, join your voice with mine and challenge these, these public officials? <laughs> We've been saying the same thing. You know, this is the beautiful thing about you know, our ministry. One of the many beautiful things. Nothing has changed. 30 years ago, I went to Cardinal John O'Connor of New York, who ordained me, and I said, I feel a, a call to defend the unborn. I want to do it full time. And he said, okay. Ever since then, every single day, I have had the same joy, enthusiasm, vigor, and determination to do this work as I did on the very first day. An equal clarity and conviction that this is what God is calling me to do. I'll have the same tomorrow and the next day. The day after that, next year, the year after that, however many years God gives me, this is irrevocable. And I know I speak for you too. So many of you that are involved in the pro-life movement, you don't see the reality of abortion and then turn the other way and say, oh, you know, we don't have to worry about this. Now, well, you know, when you're fighting abortion, you get mad. Pro-life activism starts with, with a broken heart. Our hearts are broken over abortion. When you come to the March for Life, you come to the the Walk for Life in San Francisco. I'll be at both, helping to lead different events at each one. You see a crowd filled with grief and sorrow over the ongoing tragedy of abortion. That's what brings many of them there. But you also see a crowd smiling, rejoicing, singing, praying, embracing one another, embracing their families. Why? Why? How is that? How do those two things work together? There's the joy and there's the sorrow. That's right. We grieve, but we grieve with hopes. That's a, that's a biblical lesson. Paul says we grieve, but not like those who have no hope. So we go to these events, we face the evil of abortion, and we say, you know what? We are heartbroken that these babies are being killed, that these babies are being torn apart. Again, my little prop here. You know, this is, this is not something to be silent about. So we're heartbroken that this continues to happen. These babies aren't protected. But we're joyful because, A, we know we're right. We're on the right side of history. We're on the side of God, and we will prevail. We were joyful all through the decades of fighting Roe v. Wade because we knew that Roe v. Wade would fall. We didn't know when, but we knew it would. We should be surprised that it took so long. We shouldn't be surprised that it happened. So we have joyful sorrow. Our hearts are broken, so we have this ongoing grief. And you know what? 
you know, really, I mean, people, I've been persecuted in the church for decades, decades. This is nothing new for me. I've been persecuted in the church for decades. That doesn't make it a bad day for me. That doesn't make it a bad day for me. Makes it a bad day for those that are doing it to me. But not for me because, and I know I speak for many of you too, there's a bigger burden that we carry every day. And, and I say this most sincerely. There's a bigger burden that we carry every day. And that's this. If I'm having a bad day, it's not because some guy dressed in robes is saying something bad about me or writing a letter about me. That's not what makes a day difficult for me. It's that this is happening. And, 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 and this is so true of, of, of so many of you. You are in this fight. You know what this means. This is the daily burden. This is what makes it a difficult time. Now people say, oh, Father Frank, sorry that the persecution that you're going through makes it a difficult time. What are you talking about? I mean, I know I appreciate the sentiment. But we're all under a bigger burden. We're under a burden that we're living in the midst of a holocaust. And these are our brothers and sisters, not somebody else's children. These are our brothers and sisters being killed by abortion. It's got to stop. That's the burden that we carry. And now, it makes us sad. You know what? It also makes us angry. You know, if you can't get angry at what's going on here, that's not healthy. If you know what's happening with abortion, and you're not getting angry about it, uh, are you, like, still alive? If we're alive, if we're healthy, if we have a conscience, we're going to be angry at this. Now, it's not wrong to be angry. What we have to learn to do is to take that anger and submit it to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, show me what to do with this angry energy. I want to do some good. Show me how to do it. Show me what to do. Did we direct? We don't suppress that. It's not good to suppress the anger, because we're not meant to be stones. We're meant to feel things. We're meant to respond to things. God gives us our passions for the service of what is good. But that's the point. We submit to the Holy Spirit and say, well, Lord, show me the good that I can do now using this energy that has been stirred up in me. Now, sometimes we go overboard. Yeah, I said a bad word one time. In fact, that's one of the things that the, the Vatican was, you want, you want to know what the problem besides, oh, Father Frank, you're too aggressive about abortion. Yeah, you're too, too political. Yeah, okay, right. I said a bad word to a person who was saying things to me. This was a, a Biden supporter on Twitter, and I was interacting with him. Now, I don't know if there's a single person out there watching us right now, and there's a lot of people watching now, uh, is there anybody out there who, like, never gets angry? I mean, if you care passionately about something, I always say, I always say when we're protesting abortion out on the streets, you know, there's three different types of people that drive by, three different reactions. One is the thumbs up, and they're honking, and they're cheering you on. 
The second kind of reaction, middle finger up, they're cursing at you, they're angry at you. And then there's the third reaction, they look at you, and it's a blank stare. And it's like you're invisible, you're not, you're not even there. No reaction whatsoever. Which of the three of those kinds of reactions concerns you the most? Certainly not the, the ones that are, that are cheering you, right? Those are the ones you're happy about. The ones that get angry at you, well, it's not, ple- it's not pleasant, but, you know, okay, at least they're saying the issue matters. If they're getting angry at you, at least they're saying, hey, you know what, this matters to me. The ones that are most troubling are the ones that have the blank stare. No reaction whatsoever. It's like, are you not understanding what's going on here? It's like I said before, a priest for life. Oh, well, this isn't every priest for life. Yeah, well, we just help them to say so. Get a little worked up about it, for goodness sake. Get a little worked up about it. This is the problem that we have. Not enough stirring in the soul about abortion. And it's that blank stare that's ruining our society. No reaction whatsoever. Like, oh, this doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, it matters. So sometimes, eh, you know, and we're all sinners. Me too. I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. And, and sometimes we go a little overboard. So I got really angry at this one guy. This was about a year and a half ago. Uh, you know, we were, uh, uh, it, it, it was bad. It was bad. And a lot of people were very, very angry at the, the political direction of the country. I guess it was during the, maybe more than a year and a half ago. It was during the, during the, the, the height of the 2020 election. And this guy was a real rabid uh, Biden supporter and criticizing me. So on the, re- re- on the response to him, as we were having the conversation on Twitter, if you can call it a conversation, I said, you know, you and these GD baby-killing politicians. Well, I shouldn't have said that word. I usually don't search all my talks and my broadcasts and my social media. You won't find it there. So, but in response to this guy, I mean, at that moment, I was, I was very angry. Sorry. So I go to confession. So one of the, the, the bishops who has made it a point to uh, show his, his personal animosity towards me and towards my ministry, you know what he said? He said, well, Father Frank committed blasphemy because he's damning this person to hell and he's saying that God is doing that. <laughs> I, does he live in the same planet that the rest of us are in? I mean, I think you and I are on the same planet where, you know, sometimes we get, sometimes we get mad. And sometimes we get really mad. And sometimes we get so mad that we, we say a little bad word, GD. You know, I don't say that a lot. I hardly say it at all. But that day I was so mad at this person and I... Typed that, and I wasn't saying that the person was going to hell. I don't make that judgment on anybody. But the bishop turned it into, oh, yeah, you know what? Father is doing blasphemous uh, uh, comments on, on, uh, on social media. Yeah, well, you know what? Take a look at my social media. I'm also overseeing the world's largest ministry of healing after abortion. Rachel's Vineyard. I'm the pastoral director of that ministry. And I'm extending the mercy of God 
to countless people. I've, I've ministered to people who have had 26 abortions and told them that the Lord loves them and that he's ready to make them a saint. I was just talking with Abby Johnson earlier today. I helped to lead her to the healing peace of Christ. She'll tell you. She'll tell you the role that I played in making her feel welcome in the grace of God. I ministered to Dr. Bernard Nathanson, whom I spoke about before, telling him that he, the architect of the abortion movement, was forgiven by God. I ministered to him. And I was at his apartment on his, uh, he was on his deathbed and, and I was praying with him and assuring him of the forgiveness of God. I received Norma McCorvey into the Catholic Church. The Jane Roe of Roe versus Wade, I was one of her spiritual guides. Father Frank is damning people to hell? I don't think so. I, I, I have worked with former abortionists all across the world. Worked with Dr. Philip Ney, who, who began the Society of Centurions. It's the kind of work my friend Abby does as well. Helping the people who made a living killing babies. I mean, I've sat in a, in a circle in a retreat room with a group of women, Abby included. She'll remember this. And among the women that were sitting there, the number of lives that they all took by abortion combined was half a million lives. And I invoked the forgiveness of God on them and urged them to trust in his mercy. And don't talk to me about damning people to hell. We have a ministry. You're involved in it too. And we're spreading the word of forgiveness, and that's why we have the Silent No More campaign. I'm also pastoral director of that. And these are people who, who've had abortions, and they say so, and they share their stories, and they say, I regret my abortion, and the fathers speak out, and the grandparents speak out. Brothers and sisters, this is all about mercy and forgiveness all about mercy and forgiveness. And as far as the political divide, I work and have worked over the years with people on the left, the Democrats for Life. I took part in a press conference years ago in front of the Democratic National Committee. They'd never have one nowadays, but it was a press conference in support of a, of a, of a, of a pro-life bill that would help make it easier for, for mothers to choose life. We have no problem working with people like this. You know where we stand. You who follow our work. You see, and that's the difference. Those that try to cancel us, they wouldn't set foot in this building where I'm standing right near our Priest for Life headquarters. They won't, they won't come in here and, and listen to us. Those that are supportive of us, they've taken the time to listen. They've taken the time to get to know us. And that's how, that's, that's how it's supposed to be among us. Whether we agree or disagree, we take the time to get to know each other. We listen. So, um, 
Now, I see your comments coming in, and uh, I appreciate them. Yeah, Rita, uh, thank you, Rita. We don't believe for a minute that you've done anything wrong. Yeah, I, I, uh, in fact, I'm not even, I'm not even being told anything about that myself. They don't, they just don't like the work I'm doing for, for, for these babies. Too aggressive on abortion. You're supporting pro-life candidates. God forbid. You're supporting the most pro-life president that our nation ever had, the one responsible for uh, uh, overturning Roe v. Wade. You really? You want to say something bad about me for supporting President Trump, who got us to this point where we are now? I will never apologize for that. No, you can't do it. You can't, you can't, you can't cancel this message. You won't silence this message. It's only going to grow. We're only going to get louder. Uh, because... You know, there's no secret here. And that's the other thing about our, 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 I told you about my daily diary. If you didn't hear what I was saying before, go to priestforlife.org slash daily dash diary. I tell you what I do each day from the moment I wake up till the moment I go to bed. Fully accountable, fully transparent. I'd like to invite uh, all the bishops to do that too. Let us see your, your, uh, your schedule and uh, your activities. Uh, you know, weekdays, weekends at work, at leisure, at home, show up. We want to know everything that you're doing. That's accountability. If you're going to be a leader, you've got to be an open book. I'm, I'm committed to that. You will always know what I'm about. There's no secret here. There's no mystical formula. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the thing about it, there's no secret here. People who criticize me, I told you, I, I used the word GD in a, in a response to somebody in a tweet, and for that they want to throw me out into the priesthood. It's not because of that. It's because of the emphasis we put on abortion. It's because of the fact that we're making the Democrats feel uh, so, school, uh, so uncomfortable. We're shining the light in the darkness. We're getting people motivated to vote these people out of office. And some in the church are, you know, in with the deep, the deep, the deep state. And opposed to this kind of thing. All right, you're going to be opposed to it? We've got a fight on our hands. That's all. That's how it is. But there's no secret about it. There's no, like, oh, well, what, was the, what did Father do wrong? Tell me! I'm, wait, I'm waiting to hear. I'm waiting to, by the way, I haven't received any communication from anybody uh, at the Vatican. I haven't received anything. I haven't seen anything. Somebody ought to look into the communication going on between um, Catholic News Agency and... Uh, and the Vatican, because Catholic News Agency sent me an email about this. It's like, okay, really? You're going to talk to the media before you talk to the priest? That kind of doesn't make sense to me. So some of you were asking, um, let me, let me go, go to one other scripture, and we'll say some prayers together. Isaiah chapter 1, this is one of my favorite um, passages, starting with verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. 
When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves clean. Take away your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Isn't that a powerful passage for pro-life? When God said, you people of Sodom and Gomorrah, he wasn't talking to Sodom and Gomorrah. He was talking to his own people. And he was saying they were behaving like Sodom and Gomorrah because their hands were full of blood. But they weren't doing the killing. The fact is they weren't doing enough to stop the killing. That was the complaint here. God says, do justice, intervene for the helpless who are being killed. Isn't this a message to us in the church, in the pro-life effort? God is saying, I'm not even going to listen to your prayers if you're not doing something to stop the killing. I'm not even going to listen to your prayers. That's one of the scariest verses in the Bible. Because if, we, if God's not going to listen to us, to whom do we go? Your hands are full of blood. If the babies are being killed in the land, and again, I've been using this tonight, this little poster board, because, you know, it's ultimately, it's beyond words. Okay, these babies are being torn apart. My duty to speak up to them, for them, doesn't just come from my priesthood. It doesn't just come from my political uh, affiliations. I'm an independent, by the way. It comes from my humanity. Doesn't our response to this come from our humanity? Doesn't it come from my priesthood? If I'm not dressed like this, does this change? I've been saying that for, for years. And God says, I'm not even going to listen to your prayers if you can't listen to the cries of these children. So friends, nothing changes. We are full speed ahead. We're, it's up to you. We all work together on this. and I'll be with you for as long as you will be with me. And we're not going to be quiet about this. We're going to be loud and louder and louder. And we're going to say more and we're going to share more. You know, I have a website, frfrankpavone.com. That's a personal website. You know, my main website, Priest for Life, is endabortion.us. And you know, people are asking, well, what can we do? What can we do? Well, what you can do is very simple. Just keep, keep stick with us. Keep supporting us. Uh, go to that endabortion.us website. Get involved. Sign up for our things if you're not already. Get our messages. Take part in our projects. Take part in our prayer campaigns. Donate to our ministry. Endabortion.us. Endabortion.us. And um, that... that that's what you do. That's how we fight back. 
We don't have to say anything bad to anybody or say, I don't have to say anything bad about anybody. Uh, you can communicate with your own bishop because, you know, some of the bishops support priests for life and some of them make the mistake of trying to tell people not to support us. Big mistake, guys. Really big mistake. And so you can, you know, you can let them know. Let them know. Let your own pastor know. Let your own bishop know that you're in... Um, in support of what we're doing. Because what we're doing, there's no secret to this. It's exactly what we were just saying. We're healing the wounded. We're saving the babies. We're electing pro-life candidates. I mean, what else, do you, what else, what else is there? We're, you don't kill babies. Remember I said before, this is the simplest ministry in the world. We're just telling people you don't kill a baby. I mean, this is, there's nothing, there's no, there's no mystery to this. They're the ones making it all mysterious. I don't know who's making these decisions. I really don't. Somebody was asking, well, is, is Pope Francis behind this? Well, I spoke to him five times. He encouraged my work. Some of the other highest people at the Vatican. We work with them. You know, see, this is the, this is the ironic thing about this. Is some over there, oh, we don't want Father Frank to be a priest. We work with them. First of all, I worked over there for two years in the, in the late 90s. I was an official of the Vatican myself in the pro-life office. That was under St. John Paul II. But even now, we have an international team. Ask the Holy See's mission at the United Nations. Ask the Pope's representative to the United Nations about Priests for Life. We help them in numerous ways to get their work done. Ask the office of the Secretary of State at the Vatican today about the help that we give on the international arena. We are at the United Nations. We help organize conferences at the Vatican, one of which they just recently held. We're helping them. I mean, it, it, there's no secret about what's going on. They're the ones that are making it complicated. Not all of them. Some of them. And we don't know all the time who's, who the troublemakers are. And frankly, I couldn't care less. We have our work to do. We're doing our work in union with the church. We're helping the Holy See. We're helping the Secretariat of State. We're supporting the messages of the church at the United Nations. We're supporting the messages and the work of the church at the Organization of American States. We we work with cardinals who bring together Catholic legislators. I speak in Rome for a Catholic uh, uh, legislators network. I've spoken there a number of times. And we're in on all this work. We're healing, we're bringing, you know. The, the, don't be fooled by a couple of wayward voices who try to bad mouth and stop this work. That's all that this is. And they always try to complicate it and make it mysterious. They'll say that I did blasphemous communications on social media. Yeah, I went overboard with one person. It wasn't even a post. It was a response in a one-on-one in a, in a -on -one communication. And I was mad, and I had good reason to be mad, and I used the, the term uh, uh, GD. Sorry, I went to confession. You see, it's not about that. They just want to find some excuse 
throw Father Frank out of the priesthood. I'll tell you a story. The Bishop of Amarillo, some of you were asking, well, who is this bishop that's been causing so much problem for you? Um, the, the Bishop of, of Amarillo, Texas. He's, he's in his final year there anyway as bishop, but uh, Zurich is his name. And he called me into a meeting five years ago. He was, you know, complaining about my work like he always does. And he said, um, he said, well, you know, you, you, I don't want you doing this, uh, doing this work. And I said, well, you want me in the diocese? You want me to do, you know, you want to give me an assignment in the diocese? Is there any benefit to me being in the diocese? And he said, no. So he didn't want me doing work in the diocese, and he didn't want to let me do work outside the diocese. And I knew this already. So I said, well, you want me out of the priesthood, don't you? Now, there were other witnesses in this meeting, and I can tell you who they are, too. And they know, and they remember this. And he said, never, never, twice, out loud. Never, never. I would never want you out of the priesthood. This is my bishop talking to me. Never, never. Remember that, bishop? I'm sure he'll see this video. Never, never. This is in 2017. A few weeks later, after that meeting, I get a letter from him saying, I want you to request to be dismissed from the priesthood. And if you don't request it, I'm going to request the Vatican to dismiss you from the priesthood. I, I wrote about This is all on that website, frfrankpavone.com. This is not, th listen, I have no secrets. This is all out in the open. You can read about it. I know, what, <laughs> listen, you're with me here because you don't need, you know, the vast majority of you, you don't need any explanation. I, I, you know, you don't need me to explain anything. You're with me all the way, and I appreciate that. But for those that, that you know, that, that want to understand this and uh, get some of the background, the guy says in the meeting with witnesses there, I would never want you out of the priesthood. And a few weeks later, he sends me a letter demanding that I leave the priesthood. I'm never going to leave the priesthood. Now, they can send all kind of letters that they, that they want, but ink on a piece of paper doesn't change what's in the heart, does it? I'm clear about what, I, what I'm committed to. Words on a piece of paper, even if they come from that building there, they, they, don't, they don't change what's in here. I've never had a single moment of doubt about my vocation as a priest. I've never had a single moment of doubt about my vocation as a pro-life leader. This is not going to change. You are so good in supporting me because I get this nonsense from some of these guys. But what, I hear, what do I hear from you? What do I hear from you when I am out on the road, giving my pro-life talks, praying with you in front of abortion facilities, teaching the word of God when it comes to abortion, praying with you as I'm going to do now. I, I stay up with me a little bit longer and we'll say some prayers together because that's, that's what this is all about. What do you tell me? Keep it up, Father. Keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. That's your those are your marching orders to me. I hear it. I hear it all the time. And I'm going to assure you tonight, that's exactly the command I'm going to follow. You tell me.
That's the Spirit. It's not just you speaking. That's the Spirit of God. Keep it up, Father. Keep up the good work. You keep going. Keep doing it. Keep it up. Oh, yes. You can count on it. Now, not all of you are Catholic, um, but would you mind saying with me uh, a, a, a decade of the rosary? Some of you were mentioning the rosary, and I know many of you are devoted to the rosary, and um, it's very biblical, by the way, those that don't know the rosary, but, but then we'll say some other prayers, too. But uh, I really appreciate Carol just said she offered a decade of the rosary for me. That's, that's really, that's fantastic. Thank you. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's meditate on the, the third joyful mystery, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what we're about to celebrate in just one more week. We will hear the Christmas gospel. A Savior has been born for you who is Christ and Lord. Uh, let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. O oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. Now let's pray together, friends, uh, for all the intentions that we have. I want to pray for all of you. You have, may have intentions of, uh, for good health, 
for um, decisions that have to be made, for comfort in sorrow, or maybe it's just some prayers for preparation for next weekend for the Christmas celebration that you'll get everything done in time and, and, uh, and do it with peace of mind. So let's, let's just pray for all the different needs that all of us have. Lord, send the Holy Spirit upon your people. Send your spirit of consolation upon those whose children are sadly not practicing the faith. Bring them back and let parents of children that are not practicing the faith have the peace of mind to know that they have laid a solid foundation and that the Lord is even more concerned about the spiritual well-being of those children than, than the parents are, even more. Bless families that are dealing with tensions and broken relationships, with stress, with big decisions that need to be made. Give wisdom in decision-making. Those that have financial difficulties, Lord, ease those difficulties. Bring the help that is needed. For those, Lord, that have exams coming up or important interviews or tests of various kinds that will help them advance in their profession, bless them with success. And Lord, for those that are being persecuted in their own professions, those who are under the authority of people who would rather have them shut up than speak up. Give them bold courage and perseverance. Let them know where their marching orders come from, Lord God. It is you. Bless all of us. May we advance your kingdom, proclaim your word, and defend your gift of life. We pray. In the name of the only Lord, the only Savior, the only hope of the world, the author of life, the conqueror of death, the one at whose name every knee will bend, in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth. His name is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So a lot of good comments. Thanks for uh, watching these broadcasts and liking these broadcasts. Let me give you a little idea about my uh, schedule uh, this week, I have to go up to uh, New York a little bit earlier than I anticipated. I was going to go up uh, later in the week for the holidays, but my parents need some extra help. So I pray also for them, uh, for their good health and whatnot, but I'm going to go see them uh, tomorrow. So I'll be out of my uh, uh, studio here. I won't be uh, uh, here for the normal kind of broadcast, but I am going to stay connected with you and right up in the days leading right up until Christmas. <clears throat> and um, so I will be on the road as of tomorrow, uh, but again, not far from you. I'll be on Newsmax a few times uh, this week, so uh, watch for me there as well as on these different channels where we, uh, where we have uh, our own broadcast, which we're very happy to have. Um, and, you know, many of you uh, have been asking, well, how can we continue to support you? Very easy. Go to our main website, endabortion.us, and connect with us in all those ways. Our emails, projects, our prayer campaigns, donate to us. Show your support in that active way. We're all in this movement together. Uh, this is our story. This is our challenge. We all together fight back against the cancel culture, whether it's in the government or in the church, whether it's in big tech or in our workplace. We are all fighting together against this, this cancel culture. It's, it's, it's darkness, brothers and sisters. And uh, we 
as I said at the very, very beginning of tonight's uh, broadcast, we have the Spirit who gives voice to the tongue. He makes us speak up. You're going to be hearing from me a hundred times more than you have before. Our message is going to be louder and clearer than ever before. Where we appeared on three platforms, we're going to be appearing on 30. Where we appeared in 10 different places, it's going to be 100. Uh, and and this, is, this movement is going to head forth to victory. Uh, and now with the victory already won over Roe v. Wade, well, brothers and sisters, we're going to restore that protection to these unborn children that Roe v. Wade opened, that, that the, the defeat of Roe v. Wade opened the door for us to protect even more. We're plowing through. The other side is trying to, they're trying to do their, you know, uh, constitutional amendments in favor of abortion. This will not stand. This will not last. The covenant with death will be annulled, as God's word says. I want to stay on with the all might, but I know it. you probably have to get to bed like I do. So uh, God bless you. Like one of you was saying, this movement, this pro-life movement uh, will prevail. Absolutely. There's no, look, mark my words. We are absolutely uh, on the path of victory in this, in this pro-life effort. We're going to see protection for the unborn grow in this new year. Uh, we're going to see more election victories in this new year and next year. And we are going to be unapologetic. We are going to be clear. And we're going to be transparent. If somebody wants to disagree with us, let them disagree. But don't lie about us. Someone going to have a problem with something that we do or something that we say? You have a right to have a problem with something we do and something we say. But don't try to hide under a bushel basket or hide in the shadows and give some kind of vague, cloudy uh, 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 kind of complaint. Be specific. You have a problem with what we do? You have a problem with what we say? Well, then I say to our enemies and our, uh, those who oppose us, have the courage to say what it is that you have a problem with. And stop using vague complaints and vague accusations. You got a problem? Tell us what it is, and we'll deal with it. Now, we're all sinners and we all make mistakes. If I fail to serve any of you in any way, and I speak to everyone in the church, well, then I ask forgiveness for that. But we all ask forgiveness every day. Isn't that what we say in our prayers? So, yeah, none of us is perfect. But if we have a problem with one another, can we at least be straightforward and honest and upright about it? We've got nothing to hide. I've got nothing to hide. Stop playing games. Those who are always trying to silence us, you see this in the government all the time, the fake investigations. There's fake investigations in the church, too. They've launched fake investigations about me. They're absolutely meaningless. Stop the nonsense. Stop playing games. Can we be mature about this? Let's talk with one another. Let's be open. Nobody's going into hiding here. Nobody's going into silence. This is why I love the fact that we can connect on these platforms. That's another way you can support what I'm doing is get more and more people to come on to our, our, uh, our, social, uh, um, our social media uh, platforms. And that's to continue to expand our audience. Now, we're on, the winning, we're on the winning track, brothers and sisters. People are waking up. And those who have been tr tr tried to be silenced, 
by their enemies for years and years and years. They are breaking through like never before. So onward to victory. Let's say somebody was mentioning about the uh, the, uh, Memorare. Let's say that prayer as well. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that ever was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, our mother. To thee we come, before thee we kneel, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in thy clemency hear and answer them. Amen. And I know many of you say that St. Michael prayer. Let's say that one together too. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. God bless you, friends. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Frank Pavone here of Priests for Life. We will talk to you tomorrow. God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.